And Kath, how are you? I'm good. Good. I'm good. Are you looking forward to Christmas? Yes, I am. It's been super busy, so I'm kind of, I always look forward to like Christmas Eve, mostly just because it's like, ah, I can finally relax. Yeah. But next uh, sniffer is going to be our, our annual holiday extravaganza. Super. Extravaganza. <laughs> okay. You begin. Okay. I saw this thing. Again, you and I, VR and augmented reality. Again, everything. No escaping these glasses. This is coming to our lives, whether mm-hmm. we like it or not. Well, there's this guy, Brendan Montgomery, and actually he's a Canadian. And he got his kicks. He went to Kickstarter and he got his startup cash. And he developed this round camera that is about the size of a baseball. Mm-hmm. But if you imagine, it's more almost looks more like a lollipop because it's on a stick. So what you can do is you stick it up in the air and it captures 360 degrees of everything that is happening around you. Now, the particular application that I thought just to kind of narrow it down mm-hmm. would be to talk to, and they, and they did talk to this a little bit more as well, rather than just your parties and stuff like that. They said, well, how will this affect the news Mm-hmm. You know, like what will happen with anchors? You know, we are so accustomed to anchors throwing to live experiences. Well, they're saying now they're not really going to need them or else the anchor will have to go out with their bubble cam and report live from wherever they are. I don't know, like let's say a war zone or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you will virtually be able to live this experience as close as modern day technology will allow you to. They did have some very cool looking examples. It's the startup is based in, it's called Bubble. The startup is based mm-hmm. in Toronto in uh, Liberty Village. And um, that did I did have not some, notice. Yeah, they had some really cool little things like um, there was one that people took in the Blue Mosque in Istanbul. Yeah. And so you really get that, you know, that um, Google Street View-esque way of like, tilting and looking all around at what's around you. Although I have to admit, and this will come up in my story too, mm-hmm. as I was looking at it, it, it was slightly queasy making. So I think yeah. you have to in some ways get like the rate at which you move around right so that it doesn't become a slightly nauseating experience. But the, the other thing I thought was interesting is when they were talking in this interview in PSFK about broadcast applications yeah. is that guy Brendan was talking about how anchors aren't going to be able to be the people behind the desk with the teleprompter anymore because it'll be this 360 view. But I was reminded that when you go, and I checked this out on YouTube, when you go back to like really old TV news things, they were a lot more transparent about that. Like early, like the first Walter Cronkite television news mm-hmm. broadcast, You can I'll put a link to it um, on the, the website. He's sitting like in a newsroom it's like very stuff that we think of as being very modern or breaking down the formality of it, but that's how it started out, right? Like, and he's holding a piece of paper and clearly reading the news off a piece of paper. It's really interesting. And so in some ways, yeah. this is a return to that greater level of early transparency. Yeah, it just, it really got me to thinking about just in terms of news, how much technology has shifted how we experience news. Because you're mm-hmm. talking about Walter Cronkite. Okay, let's go way back to the wild, wild west when you know reporters would travel without laws and report on bank robberies or stuff like that and they'd write it for the newspaper and they'd ship in their stories and then 
fast forward to, I remember when I was a wee little bondy, mm-hmm. seeing the Vietnam War on television hmm. for the very first time. And this was huge news back then. That was the first time that kind of thing had ever been seen. Yeah, people you know, talked you, about it coming into, the war was coming into people's living rooms. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then now, this seems to be just, to my mind anyway, amping it up. Number one, it does make you feel kind of nauseous to look at it, but number two, do you think you'd enjoy watching news like that? It's an interesting question. I mean, I think that like, if you actually had that virtual reality-esque an experience where you could take somebody to parts of bombed out Damascus, for mm-hmm. instance, and people could see what and feel what it was like to live in that circumstance and how completely freaking terrifying that would be. Yes. You know, it would be much, a lot more persuasive, but it's an interesting question yeah. as to how much reality people actually want to experience. Well, I know because it sort of brought out the, you know, in me, people's, uh, humans' instinct to rubberneck at anything. And I thought, oh my God, you know, any car accident, anything like that. People just run. We had a sinkhole on Young Street. Everybody rushed to see the sinkhole. Right. You know, and it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to bring up the best or the worst in human behavior and in terms of what we'll be watching. Hmm. Ooh, imagine CNN with those things. But that is one of the things that people said about Vietnam, right, is that one of the reasons why there was this pressure to get, to get out of the Vietnam War for Americans was because people had that televised experience of what it actually seemed to be like, right? So in that sense... Yeah, well, you know, when you said about being, to be able to go over there and actually see what it's like, like for these people in these refugee situations, I think maybe we could, it could also open up a lot more compassion in our hearts as to how we feel. But we'll see what it ends up being used for. I thought it was a very interesting little tour anyway. Yeah, me too. It's worth taking a look at. Yeah, and get over the nausea. Kind of again, what we were talking about before is like the idea for being in places that you can't, I mean, even beyond being in a war zone, the idea of applications for places that you aren't physically able to be at. Like yeah. they, one of the things that Bubble mentions is the use in, in real estate tours. Like you can totally imagine that. Oh yeah, it's like, you know, the old style Apple Panos. Apple Panos? <laughs> oh, Panorama, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I do have a related thing. It's funny because we didn't discuss this ahead of time, but they are sort of related. There was an article in The Guardian. Totally related. Yeah, there was an article in The Guardian that was talking about basically is the 21st century the period of (laughs) nausea is that going to be the defining feeling and really what they were making uh comparison between virtual reality and you know immersive screens where there's lots and lots of visual activity because now you know we can watch video at much higher resolution where it's much much faster and um, this researcher named uh, Cyril Deals um, who is at Coventry University basically makes this comparison with motion sickness that you know yeah. when you walk into a room you're moving and you could, what you see around you is also moving so your body kind of knows how to interpret that but then he uses the example of say if you're in the hold of a ship and you're moving and you can feel the movement but you your visual image is static that's, that's what you feel like you want to hurl because there's that thing. Or when you're reading uh, a book in the car instead of looking at where you're going, that's why you get that motion sickness. So the argument is that that's why we have this similar type of experience, which I gather, I've read about this with Oculus Rift, that yeah. they try to deal with the motion uh, sickness aspect of it. Actually, though, I think, and I believe I, I saw it mentioned in there too, a part of it is kind of training your mind mm-hmm. to not feel sick. 
And that made me wonder, like I was thinking the other day about my eyes and how like I started doing these yogic eye exercises that I used to do and I found them so hard now. And yes, I am older now, but also I'm sure a lot of it has to do with just like staring at these little screens and my eyes are like not moving around very much. And I started thinking oh, really? about all of the things that we do to our bodies now with our screens, like from how much time we spend sitting to staring at these little screens. Like, We're going to have like these transfixed gazes. <laughs> and, you know, our posture and all this stuff, like how much we do that doesn't really respect the fact that we're animals. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting point you made in the notes that you sent to me hmm. in advance. About your, about <laughs> your hands? Sometimes I feel like a little Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like I have these tiny little vestigial hands that yeah. are only good for click, click, clicking away on the computer <laughs> or whatever. Um, yeah, but anyway. Whenever I've used VR goggles, what I, my trick is, is to have a little crack open at the bottom and I can put my, see my foot on the ground. Uh-huh. It's it kind of like not of having the spins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Putting your foot on the bed so you don't have no, on the floor. No, yeah. yeah, when I was young, if you, you know, that's what I would do. I'd put my foot on the ground. It stops mm. the vomitousness. Tips from Kathy's youth. <laughs> <laughs> on vomiting. <laughs> that seems weird to say, let's eat after having that conversation know, about being nauseous. But let's eat. Yes. Check oh. out the show notes on your phone or at thesniffer.net. Come to the blog and say something, please. Yes, we had a comment the other day, which was excellent. Oh, my God. Mm, i got to get over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come bye. say hi. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye.